0: Progress. Okay, so we're going to pick it up in Davayin def- Zayanam Uh We'll start four lines from the bottom. Turn uh, around, There was a machloikis between Shimon and the chachamim whether a mitzvah is also for three generations like a mitzvah or a shimbot or miyad. So Rishimin had a kavachomer, and now we're going to say also he had a pasuk so Tanra Bonim, Bonim Bonos, div Shimon. Rav Shimon also says that it says Bonim ashe v'ol hamdor sh'lishi y'ave bekal HaShem. It says Bonim by, mitz- by the Mitzrayim. The implication is Bonim are a problem for three generations, but banos are muter miyad. So he also has a pasuk. i Yehuda. Rav says, no, it says, Yevaldu means the ones that are given birth. The implication is all mitzriam that are given birth is a problem. So the fact that it says, ashe that takes out, that makes it, ashe yuvoldu. that yuvoldu implies all children that are born to Mitzriam are a problem. So, so Rabbi Yehudah agrees that it's... Uh, Mitzris are a problem, just like the Mitzri men and the Mitzri women are a problem as well. Which is obviously the opinion of the Tanakhama. Says the Gemara. I'm Rav So I'll tell you. i see it inside. Rav Yehuda has an interesting Shita. Rav Yehuda holds the Mitzri women are also miad. Also, they're also like the Mitzri men. The Gemara says the reason why that that has to be why. If you're a Mitzri man, who could you marry? Okay, so Mitzri women. If you hold the Mitzri women are also. Let's say, let's say you hold the mystery women are mutter. Then they're Jews. So you can't marry them. The only person you can marry is a Giyaris, right? Because they're not considered part of the Kahol. Rav Yehuda holds Giyarises are considered full-fledged Jews that you can't marry them. So if you put it all together, Rav Yehuda holds they can't marry Giyaris, can't marry Jews. If Rav Yehuda were to hold like Rav Shimon, that, you, that that Mitzri women are considered full-fledged Jew and their mutter miyad, Mitzri men would not be allowed to marry anybody. So the Gemara says, it's a good thing that review the holds the Mitzri women are oser, because if they he held they their mutter, and he also holds that you can't marry Giyaruses. <laughs> so if you can't marry Giyaruses, you can't marry Jews, you can't marry Mitzris, you marry nobody. So the Gemara says, it works out well that review the holds that Mitzri women... Are usher like Mitzri men, and therefore the Mitzri men are allowed to marry Mitzri women. I mean, according to to Yehuda, they can't marry Jews, can't marry Goyarises, but they could only marry Mitzris. So okay, it works out. But if you held that the Mitzri women are mutter and they're full fledged, you wouldn't be allowed to marry anybody. So it's a good thing Rabbi Yehuda holds this way. The Gemara says, "If Rabbi Yehuda didn't have the shita, yadav ragla then we would have nothing to stand on." Why? Rabbi Yehuda's shita is that Goyarises are considered part of Klaal Yisrael, meaning that a Mamzer and a Mitzris. And all these people cannot marry uh, giyuris. a All these giyuris are considered full-fledged Jew. They're in the category of a Jew. So giyuris are not in their own category. That means you can't marry a Jew, you can't marry a gi-iris. The only one you can marry is the mitzvahs. but if you hold mitsuris, our mother, miad, they're full fledged Jews. Not, she says, How could you ever get to a third generation mitzvah? How is it possible? The only way for it to be possible is if they didn't avera, because it, according to the Torah, there would be no possible way to do it. So the Gemara says, "Dilma di You're right, but maybe, perhaps, he were to tell you in such a scenario that the only way you can get to mitzvah shlishi is if someone didn't avera, meaning maybe you're right. If a mitzvah were to come over you, it, it, let's say review us just entertain that thought, the review the held that a mitzvah woman is muter miyad. And he also you, married you can marry you can, can you? So he either, he'd go to a rabbi and say, uh, I'm a mitzvah, I'm a convert, who could I marry? So he would say, nobody. So he'd say, well, how does the Torah say I get to three generations? He says, well, if you don't listen to me, meaning if you, if you do an Avera. So the Gemari says, no, do you like Sivkra? The Torah never addresses, you know, the Torah never gives an etza. If the only way to do that, Eitzah, uh, is to do an Avera. That, that, that would not be what the Torah would do. So the Gemara says, What do you mean, Hare Mamzer? Of, what do you mean the Torah it talks about a Mamzer? A Mamzer is the only way you could have a Mamzer if someone did an Avera. Meaning, you tell me the Torah doesn't deal with Averas. So therefore, it couldn't be that to get to Mitzri Shlishi, you'd have to do an Avera. That can't be because the Torah doesn't deal with Averas. What do you mean a Mamzer? How do you get a Mamzer? Someone did an Avera. So you see the Torah does and it deals with Averas. So the Gemara says, Deili Sura Kossab, Deila Terle kasif. The Torah will deal with Averas when there's repercussions of isurim, But the Torah is never going to give you a heter that the only way to get to that heter is to do an avera. Meaning, the Torah is giving you a heter if you're a Mitzri. Get to third generation, then you're fine. How do you get to third generation? You have to do an avera. The Torah would never give you a Heter, that the only way to get to that hetar is to do an avera. The Gemara says, wait a minute. But isn't there a heter for Machsa Grushasai? According to many opinions, and this is the Gemara's opinion, if a Kayin marries a Machsa Grushasai, so he marries his own Master Grushasa. So no, not a and Any person. Obviously, not a Kayan. A man marries his Master Grushasa. So he does a lav. That child is not possible k- a kahuna. It's the only lav that's not possible kahuna because we have a drasha from the Pasuk. So that's a case where the Torah is giving you a heter. The heter is that if you marry a Master Grushasa, so the child's not possible a kahuna. And it's listed in the Torah but the only way to do that is to do an avera that's an example of an avera where the Torah is addressing and it comes out a heter. so that that's an example so the Gemara says over there the Torah when it's addressing Masa Gushasa, the main purpose of that passage is to tell you you're not allowed to marry a master yes When it's addressing the Pasuk, it adds a word that tells you that heter that it's not Pasal kahuna. But the Torah doesn't have a special Pasuk to tell you a heter, that the only way to get to that heter is to do an aver. That's not a thing. If the Torah is addressing it anyway, will it throw it in Agav? Yeah, maybe. But going back over here, if the Torah says that there's a way to get to a third generation Mitzri, the Torah will never address a third generation Mitzri, and the only way to get to that heter of a third generation Mitzri is to do an avir. The Torah would never do such a thing. Therefore, it, must, it works out well that Rav the holds that a mitzvah woman is muter miyad. It works out well that a mitzvah woman is muter miyad because, I'm sorry, it, that a mistress woman is also like a mitzvah, that way, review the holds that they can marry somebody. Okay. The Gemara continues. Tonu Raboram. I'm yeah. sorry, what did you just say? A mitzvah woman is... ...is Usser, meaning Rabbi Yehuda holds that a Mitzris woman is Usr, like a Mitzri man for three generations, and that way that works out, because if he held that it was mutter miyad, then she's a full-fledged Jew, and he holds that a Mitzri is now allowed to marry a Gyoris, so there will be no one for him to marry. So it works out okay, well. Okay, so maybe he maybe, maybe just meant that only a woman could continue... No, it can't be that. The, the Torah says that a Mitzri man can marry after three generations. How do you get to three generations if he's not allowed to marry anybody? He's not allowed to marry it says a Jew. A man, or just says a Mitzri? It says a Mitzri man. The third generation shall be allowed to enter the the, the Jewish people. How do you get to a third generation if you're not allowed to marry anybody? Can't marry a but Jew. Can't can marry it Jairus, can't a Yerush. Can't marry woman? a Mitzri. Huh? We can't. We can't conclude it's only a Mitzri woman. or that wouldn't be. Sad. What do you mean? No, no, no. Because. No, he, the, the pasuk specifically says bonim, the sons of Mitzriim, the third generation. Shivaldu, It specifically says men, which means that it's possible to have a third generation Mitzri. That only works if you can marry somebody. <laughs> so it it works out well. The review holds that they can marry a Mitzis because if he held that he can't marry a Mitzis, he also can't marry a Gioris. So you you wouldn't be allowed to marry anybody. I mean, we paskin all of this. We paskin first of all we paskin that that they're allowed to marry a Mitzis, but we also pass that can marry a Gioris. So for us, it's not as in, in, is, is essential, but Rav Yudah holds that a Giyayris is not mutter, she's like any other Jew. Okay, Taner habana. now it says regarding the Mitzrium, that a Mitzri is allowed in the third generation, it says the word Bonim, and it says the Lashon Diris. So why do you need both? So the Taner Bonim Diris, It says dar Shlishi, and it says Bonim. Why do you need both? Just say, say one. Say, darshlishi Shlishi Yov Hashem. You don't say, Bonim Hashim Or just say, Bonim. Bonim Shlishi Yov V'Kal Hashem. Why need Bonim and Doiris? So the Gemara says, I'll tell you what. Im Nemer Bonim V'Le Nemer Doiris. Hayisi i Ben Rishin V'shen Yoseh Shlishi Moter. L'Kach Nemer Doiris. First of all, if it just said Bonim, and it didn't say the Lashen Doiris, what would it say? Bonim Shlishi Yov Hashem. You know what that would imply? The third son. Not the third generation, the third son meaning if a, a guy has five boys, the third son and on can marry a Jew. That's what you would say. If it didn't say doir shlishi, it just said bonim shlishi, you would say the third son, which is obviously incorrect. nemer nemer and if it says nemer without bonim, I would say that doiris, meaning, perhaps you would think that it's only applying to the Jews that were by sinai meaning they were the first generation their sons were the second generation. Now Hashem is saying the third generation can marry. Meaning, but not it's not a perpetual concept. Therefore it says bonim to say no no no. This is a this is a continuity thing. Forever. The, all uh, Egyptian converts have to wait three generations. Nemar <laughs> bonem It says Lahem, but the extra mem, but it could say mayhem. So why does it say Lahem? So it's. This is a rule that we're going to see in the next Ahmed, and that is if you have a, a Jew and another Jew, but one of them is Pussel, puzzle, do you go by the mom or do you go by the father? Right? We always like to be a Jew, you go by the mom, right? Um, for different nations, you go by the father. But let's say when it comes to like a mamzer, if the dad's a mamzer, is the kid a mamzer? Yeah. If the mom's the mom's there, is the kid of mom's there? Yeah. You always just go with the more puzzle. Meaning we don't. when it comes to, when you have two Jews, but one of them is puzzle, one of them is not, you just go by the more puzzle one. I going to address this. Like it could be Negev if you have a Mitzri marrying an am- Ammonia. So then you go by the Mitzri. You understand. You always go with the more puzzle one. You need l'hem and a sheivoldu. Why? If it just said a sheivoldu, if it just said a sheivoldu, having bnei hem, having bnei hem, manakasev rachmanu l'hem. L'hem and sheivoldu is is. They're both saying the same thing, which is the next generation. Why need both? Because if it says a just said a sheivoldu, I wouldn't know. Let me ask you a question. I'm a Mitzri convert. Is it three generations with me or three generations from me? Meaning, am I the first generation, or are my kids the first generation? Therefore, it says Ashi Ivaldu to tell you, your kids are the second generation, meaning you're the first generation. If it just said Lahem, I would say that you don't count. It's three generations, not including you. Ashi Ivaldu says, no, it's including you. So it's you, your kids, your grandkids are already murdered. Okay. Because HaShayi Ivaldu... And, they have, and the added Chiddush asher is to tell you like this, what if you have an Egyptian woman who converts with a uh, pregnant? So is the baby, you might think that the baby is is like her, that it's first generation. No, she's first, baby's second. Okay, now we have a halacha over here, and we have a halacha regarding mamzer, that whenever there is a psal, you go by whichever is possible. I Meaning you don't go by the mom or the dad, you just go by whichever is possible. It says that over here by by Mitzri, and we also have a Pasuk loy by a Mamzer. Why do you need both? So the Gemara says, The Chiddush is, over here, if the Pasuk just said over here that you go with whatever parent is possible, you just go with that one, regarding the children, I would say, yeah, because you're dealing with Mitzrim. They, they weren't always full-fledged Jews. But a Mamzer who's a full-fledged Jew, maybe you don't go by the Parent indiscriminately to make the to spread the psal. And the opposite, if it just said it by moms, I'd say yeah, moms are we're super strict because it's perpetual, forever. It's in perpetuity, forever. But when it comes to mitzri, which is just three generations, maybe we should be leaning. And you only go by the father, you only go by the mother, whatever it is, or you need both to spread the psal. Kamashulah, no. As long as there's one parent that's psal, that will spread to the child. The Gumar Rabbar Chanam Mitzri Shani. Okay, you have a mitzri Shani, a second generation mitzri. That's the dad. So the dad is second generation. Shinosa mitzvah Shona. And he marries a first generation. So the question is: what is the child? Do you go by the dad? I mean, they're both mitzrim anyway. So it's not, it's not a matter of deciding. It's not like a mitzri and a Jew where you have to decide, but they're both Mitzri. The question is. Do you go by the mom? The mom's a first generation, so the kids are second generation. Do you go by the dad? The dad's a second generation, so the kids third generation. That's the question. Do you go by the mom or the dad when it comes to defining generations? When the father is a second generation, the mom's a first generation. So the Gemara says, uh, the child's a third, meaning you go by the dad. The dad's a second generation, which means when he has a child, even if his wife is a first generation, the child is a third generation. The child is you go by the father when it comes to these discussions. When they're both Mitzrium and you're just trying to figure out generation amounts, you go by the father. So the Gemara says, You go by the dad. Now here's the problem. Now, when it comes to this, that means that you go by the father. Meaning, now, it's a complex sugya because the Gemara is going to ask, it makes it sound like this that you always go by the father. The problem is that's not necessarily true. I'll tell you why. Masef, Rav Yosef, Rav Tarfin Omer. Rav has this chiddush, okay? Rav Tarfin has this chiddush, and that is like this. Here's this chiddush. If you have a mamzer, it's a very famous teaching of Rav Tarfin. Rav Tarfin had an etza to make the mamzer no longer a mamzer. There's a way to clean a mamzer. How do you do this? Now, the only way, if you'd ask me, how do you clean a mamzer, I'd be like, well, I guess if you have a mamzer that marries a guy, right? The child, right? you go by the mom, right? So the child will be a guy. Yeah. And then he converts. The child. That, right, you have a mamzer marries a guy, the child converts, the child's a guy, he converts, he's no longer a mamzer. That is true, but that's not a real eitzah because you're asking him to marry a guy, which is not allowed, right? right. That's not an eitzah because that's, it's not like, an that's not an it's not But a Tarfin says, here's the eitzah: a mamzer is allowed to marry a freed non-Jewish slave. A non-Jewish slave. He's allowed to marry a non-Jewish slave. There's no iser in that for a mamzer. Okay. So the mamzer marries the non-Jewish slave, has a child, the child goes by the mom, so the child is considered a slave. Free, you free the slave. It's like Yehiris, a Jew. Slave is stronger than mamzer. You're saying we go with the most severe. Well, no. So over here you see they go by the mom. I mean that's the Gemara's kasha. Because of the mom, not. The oh, most oh. So the kasha is like this. You're telling me that when it comes to two generations, one generation, you go by the dad. But well, over here, when it comes to mamzer and non-Jewish slave. Again, a, a Canaanite slave. And the only reason why this is different than just marrying a goita is he's allowed to halachically. Over there you go by the mom. Because you're saying the child is on one side momzer, one side shifcha uh, charufa, you know, Canaanite slave, and we say that it's a slave. Meaning non-Jew, basically. Mm-hmm. And then when you free it and you finish the conversion process, it's a Jew. So that's so you see that you go by the mom. Right. So do you go by the dad or do you go by the mom? I tell you it's a complex sugar because it's like, it's like it's hard to extrapolate this for all examples. That's basically the point. You're telling me when it comes to two Mitzrim, we go by the dad, but over here you see you go by the mom. So what's the deal? So let's just see an inside. <speaking> in Rav <Hebrew> Oimer famously said there's a way to Mimetahar a Mamzer. How do you do this? Mamzer a Shifcha. A Mamzer is allowed to marry a Shifcha, which is a not a Canaanite slave. Havlad Evad, the child will go by the mom, so the child will be a a Canaanite slave. Shechru, and then when you free him, meaning and finish the conversion process, Nimsa ben Khairin, he's a Yisrael, and he's not a mamzer anymore. Alma, Oh, so you see, you go by the mom, so why would he you go by the dad over there, you go by the mom? So the answer is. The difference is that when it comes to When it comes to When a Canaanite slave It says The mom and her children So you see that when it comes to slaves The children go by the mother Meaning that's the exception So when it comes to mitzvah, we go by the rule which is the father When there's two Jews that are Puzzle you go by the dad But over here the reason I go by the mom is because it says The mom and her mother It's a special Puzzle over there when it comes to slaves You go by the mom Mark continues. Another version. Masiv Rava. I'm sorry. Masiv Rava. Okay. So right now we're saying that if you have a second generation Mitzri man marrying a first generation Mitzri woman, the child's a third generation, right? So I'll just say it outside. If you're a second generation Mitzri, you don't need to find a second generation Mitzri woman, right? You could just find the first generation. Here's the Kasha. The Kasha is, we had this Gemara, I think, yesterday or two days ago. So the Gemara says, Omar Ravih the Minyaman to One of the students of Rakiva name was named as Minyaman Mitzri. The Omar, he says, I need I'm a first generation Mitzri. I can I converted. Now Sasi I married a first generation Mitzris. Fine. A seal Ivni I'm gonna make sure my son, who's a second generation, marries a second generation mitzris. Let me ask a question. Why does his son have to marry a second generation mitzvahs? His son can just marry any mitzvahs. Right? He said, like, I'm going to make sure that my son marries a second generation. Why? The son doesn't have to marry a second generation. The son can marry a first generation because you go by the dad. So why did Minyam and Ger say that I'm going to make sure my son marries a second generation? He should just say, I'm going to make sure my son marries a mitzvahs. Any generation. Because it doesn't matter. The son's a second. So why is he so mocked that his son marry a second generation? It must be that you go by the mom. That's the Gemara's point. You understand? Meaning, if you're saying the second generation marries a mitzvah, first generation, the child's a third generation, so Minyamin says, why does Minyamin say that? I'm going to make sure my son marries a second generation. Just make sure your son marries any generation. What's the difference? So the Gemara says, you're right. The Gemara says, Change the girsa. Meaning, change the girsa so that when it says that he was looking, that he was a second generation, and he was uh, that he and he's going to marry his son off. He's going to marry his son off to a first generation, meaning ch- change the girsa. So when Minyamin said, "I'm going to make sure that my son marries a mitzvah, he didn't mean a second generation. He meant even a first generation mitsriss. Change the girsa. Okay. The Gumaris is like this: Amr LeAbaya. I'm sorry. Kiyaser of Dimi Amr Rav Yochanan. He has a different version. He has Mitsri Shani Shinas a Mitzri a second generation mitsri man that marries a first generation mitsri woman. The sons of Shani, meaning you go by the mother. So it's a different version. According to this version, you go by the mom. So if it's a second generation Mitzri, marrying a first generation Mitzris, the child is a second generation. You go by the mom. The Gemara assumes, I I don't understand this 100%. The Gemara understands that, why is it that you go by the mom? So I would say, because the Pusuk says, when it comes to Shivcha, you go by the mom. I don't know, that's just uh, the way to define a child. The Gemara assumes now that the reason why you go by the mom is because when the baby was in the womb, it was uber yerech The baby is considered, when it's in utero, an extension of the mom. So because it's an extension of the mom, it's defined by the mother. That's what Gemara assumes. Because of this, it asks question, which is, Rav Yochanan doesn't hold uber yerech imo. Rav Yochanan does not look at the baby as an extension of the mother. The, the Rav Yochanan looks at the baby as independent of the mother. Oh! So if the baby's independent of the mother how, how, why do you go by the mom? And The is going to answer the two independent concepts. You could look at the baby as independent of the mother when it's in utero but when it comes out you go by the mom when it comes to definition of of, of uh, lineage. But again, the Gemara assumes that the reason why Rav Yochanan holds that the you go by the mom when it comes to mitzvah Sheni is because uber yerach imo because when it's in utero, it's considered an extension of the mother. And the Gemara is going to ask that's not Rav Yochanan Shita. How do we know this? Uh, Elahoda, Rav Yochanan Alma basa ime shedinula. Ah, you see that it's obviously the baby is an extension of the mother when it's in utero. Let's say you, you have to bring a carbon chatos, So you set aside a cow. Now that cow happens to be pregnant. A couple months later, it gives birth. Now you have so you have a chatos that you separated with the baby that's now born. The question is, can you use the baby? You want to use the baby instead of the mother. Can you use the baby? So it says Reb Yochanan, The Yochanan said, use either one. What does this tell you? Now, now, if you hold the baby is not an extension of the mother. I'll tell you If you hold the baby is an extension of the mother, then in essence, you just set aside one chatas. Mm-hmm. The baby is, is 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 an extension of the mom. As we're going to see in a moment, you would not be able to use the baby. The only way you could use the baby is if you look at the baby as a separate entity, like Amri, Then when you set aside that carbon as a chatas when it was pregnant, it was the equivalent of saying, I'm separ- separating two indistinct animals. When you separate two indistinct animals, two completely de- separate animals, you could use one, or use the other. But if you look at the baby as an extension of the mom, then in the laws of carbon chatas, it would actually be a problem, as we'll see right now in a moment. Because <laughs> we paskin over Yerachim. Yeah, exactly, we, we, we paskin over Yerachim. Yeah, the point is, Rabbi Yochanan does it. Um, does, any, does anybody say that you have to do both of them? No. Um No. Definitely not both of them. Even the if, question is can you use the even second if you one? You knew, it was, even if you knew? Yeah. It was Correct. Definitely not. Cuz it's it's shach. it's either an extension of the mam, in which case it's going to be a problem, or it's completely independent, in which case it's just two animals. But it is definitely no it's definitely not two parts of one animal, meaning it's definitely it's not that you the baby does not complete the mam, for sure not. So the Gemara says, if you say the baby is now an extension of the mother, then, then it's the equivalent of you just separating two animals. Instead of thinking of instead of the baby inside, just two animals next to each other. What's the halacha? If you if you if you separate two chatas animals, you just use one and the other one. Let it graze until it gets a blemish. That's why it makes sense. However, Yechonah would say you could use one, you could use the other because the baby is not an extension of the mother. But if you actually say that the baby is an extension of the mother, then, then it's considered um, a Vlad of a chattos, and Vlad Chattas The Halacha is that if you separate a chattos, forget about you separate a that's not pregnant. It's not. Separate a then it becomes pregnant and gives birth. What's the Halacha? You have to let the baby die. It's a special halacha when it comes to Vlad it's halacha So if you look at the baby as an extension of the mother, you have to let it die. The only way you could use it is without the mother is if you look at it as completely independent. So you see that Rav Yechonon does not look at the fetus as an extension of the mother. He looks at it as independent. If you look at it as independent, then why do you go by paternity, by the mom? Not paternity, do you go by Mitsvisheni? Why do you go by the mom? If you look at... If you look at the baby as an extension, I get it, but if you look at the baby as completely independent, then why are you going by the mother? So the Gemara answers, they're two independent sugias. The Gemara says, <laughs> The answer is, Rabbi Yechon really holds the baby is not an extension of the mother. So why is it that? When the father is a second generation mitzvah, the first, the mother is a first generation, the baby is a second, why do you go by the mom? The answer is because the pasuk says, ashei valdu, the pasuk says, that, that the pasuk defines a mitzvah by the one who gives birth to it, which is ashei valdu. It's a special pasuk when it comes to mitzvahs, that when, uh, for this isser, you go by the mom, ashei valdu, the one who gives birth. A, wait 3 months before you set the cow aside and make sure it's not pregnant then it's cow- No, it's just that you could you have to deal with it. I don't think if there's no yes, issue you'll if just have to it, deal if with you it. You know at the time the cow's pregnant. So then you, you, um, oh. if you didn't yeah. know and then becomes pregnant why? I'm saying, but it's not that it, there's nothing, there's nothing bad with it, you just have to deal. If you set aside a, a pregnant chadas, you either use it, the baby, or let it graze, or let it die, depending on how you hold. But it's not, there's nothing wrong with it. It's not like when it comes to a married woman, divorce, where you're going to have a question of paternity. This just, you have to deal with it. So say, it's just going to create a halachic uh, consequence. It's not, it's not going to be irrelevant. So the Gemara continues. The Gemara says, See, he says, ah, oh, such a mind is as if you were there when Rav said over the teaching. Okay. Now, so we're saying right now that you go by the mom for mitzvahs. The implication of Rav Yechonon is that you go by the mom by mitzvah because this is Rav but in general, you go by the father. Okay, fine. in general, you go by the father. Says the Gemara. Okay, so Rav is now saying that in general, you go by the father for definition purposes of of children and paternity and all that stuff. The halacha is that if a woman gives uh, converts while pregnant, the baby is is converted as well. Meaning, the dipping that the mom does in the mikvah covers the baby. Now, here's the question if you look at the baby as an extension of the mother, understood. But if now you're telling me that in general you go by the father, meaning the baby is considered completely independent of the mother, then why does the mikvah work? Lahora oh, so you'll say, because it's it, the baby dipped, but the water didn't get to him. It's a chatzitza, Meaning... When you look at when the baby went in, if you look at the baby as an extension of the mother, so if you look at mamish like an extension, like a limb of the mother, so okay, so the mom's tefillah works for the the same way it works for her spleen, it works for the fetus. Understood. But now you tell me you go by the father, which means the baby is completely independent. Fine. So it's as if two entities went into the mikvah. Two different people went into the mikvah at the same time. Yeah, but fine. But then the baby went in, but the water didn't get it. So the Gemara says. Go to the next page. So you'll say it like this. Oh, the halacha is that, let's say there's a chatzitza that covers the majority of your body. It's only a problem if you mind that it's there. If you're not Makbib about the uh, the chatzitzah, it doesn't biblically pose a problem. So let's say you have someone who ink, he's covered the majority of his body in ink, but he doesn't care about the ink, it doesn't bother him, so that's fine. So the baby is covered in the uh, majority, but the baby doesn't mind that the mom's there, the baby's probably very happy that the mom's there, keeps him alive. Oh, so maybe it's that the baby is going into the mikveh, and it's not a chatzitzah problem because he's happy about it. The problem is that of majority does not work when it's entirely... It only works majority, not entirely. The baby is entirely covered, so it's a chatzitza. So the Gemara says shani uber The answer is because that's how Hashem made it. That's the normal way. It's not considered a chatzitza. Chitzitza is only when there's something that shouldn't be there. You know, is let's say you were covered in hair, the entire body was covered in hair like a werewolf. Would that be a problem chatzitza? No. Why? Because that's how you that's how you, you no. that's how you're developed. That's that's normal. So a baby in the womb, it's normal for it to be covered by the mom's womb. So therefore, it's not a chatziza. So it goes to the mikveh. No water gets to it, but it works, according to this opinion. It's a very interesting, uh, it's an out-there concept. Okay. Two more sigils to get to the Mishnah, and then uh, it's not too bad. Most of the end of the Amr is Agarita. Okay. Am Rav Yechonin. Ve'umais halacha when it comes to defining nations amongst the guy, you go by the dad. Now, what does this mean? Obviously, oh, so you say, okay, if a Spaniard, a Spanish guy, marries a, a British woman, the baby is Spanish. Okay. But for what? Who cares? Doesn't matter. So, it's Nageya the following halacha. We know that there's, a, there's an, a mitzvah to kill the seven nations. So, what happens if you have a man from Canaan who marries an American woman? So, is the baby a seven nation because you go by the dad? Or, or you go. The answer is you go by the father. Okay. To define the seven nations, you go by the father. But pogum shebeshneym nisgairu halachah pogum shebeshneym. But once they convert, and then you have two Jews. This we had before in the previous Salman, If you have two Jews, but they're pogum, you go by whichever one is worse. If so you have a Jew and a mamzer, no matter which one's the mamzer, the child's a mamzer. You have a Mitzri marrying an Ammonia. The child is the worst one, as we'll see which one that is. You always go by the worst one whenever they're Jews, okay? But when it comes to non-Jews, you go by the father to define the seven nations. Well, what issues. You this is on the what did you do we do practice? yesterday that was similar to that, where you go by the? Um, that you went by the more lenient one. We didn't do that yesterday, or something? I don't think so. I don't remember. Okay, my mistake. My no mistake. problem. Um, is this a spiritual zakh as well? <laughs> Can we go by the more possible one. I don't know, it's interesting. It's definitely halachic, but I have to check. I have, no, I have to check. I'll check. I have a sefer. It's called Sifir Chassidus Al-Hashas. It's Hamidia Hashem. I can check what they say about this. It's interesting. It's definitely a, a, a perspective change. Meaning, wh- what's the hashkafic element of that when it comes to Jews? You go by the more apostle one. <laughs> There's something there. I have to yeah, think about wild. it. So the Gemara... I'll have to spin it. So the Gemara <laughs> says, Menayim Minayin l'echa Umis. <laughs> Shiba al-Kananis, meaning we say that when it comes to the seven nations, a Kanani and a non-Kanani, you go by the dad. So the B'ra'is speaks it out. You have an American man that marries a Canaanite woman. So the mom is from the seven nations. Haylid ben has a child. You could keep this son as a slave, meaning you don't have to kill him. He's not a Canaanite. He doesn't say that you can interact with them as a mailman, because of the yeah the point is you don't have to kill them you can give them as a slave meaning you go by the dad and the dad's American so the kid's American. The opposite. The says the posting says you can only keep for a slave those that are born in Eretz but not the ones that come from outside of Eretz What it means is men travel more than women. So the women that are there from the seven nations have always been there, but the men are coming from, they left and then came back. So you're not allowed to marry the child, you're not allowed to to keep alive the child of uh, a traveler because he he left and came back, meaning i.e. the men of the seven nations. So the Gemara understands that the Pesach is outlawing the children of the men of the seven nations but not the children of the women of the seven nations. You go by the dad. Okay. The second halacha is that if you have two Jews, you go by the more puzzle one. What's an example? So the Gemara says, Bimai. What's an example? Amonis. This is like, you know, like a riddle. A mitzri marries an amonis. Now here's the thing. Amonis is mutter. It's like rus, moaviah. Mm-hmm. That's not an example. We're looking for an example where there are two Jews, both puzzle but one's worse. That's not the case over here. Because right. a mitzri... Again, and we're not talking about within Mitzri to define, we're talking about two different nations within Jews, both Puzzle, one's worse than the other. So one's like, okay, I got a Mitzri man marrying an Ammonis woman. The question is, is the child Ammonis or the child Mitzris? That's not an example. Ammonis are mutter, they're Jews. Full-fledged Jews. So that's just an example of one person being Puzzle. I'm looking for two Puzzle. The Gemara says, "My Ammonis v'lo ammonis. Ella Amoni Oh. The case is we have an Amoni man marries a Mitzris woman. Right? Mitzris are also for three generations. Amoni men are also forever. They have a child. So it depends what child do they have. Let's go through each one. If they have a boy, so now you could either make him a mitzri or an Amoni. Make him an Ammoni. It's much worse. Okay. Then have a Shadi baser Amoni. He becomes an Amoni, he's also forever. If they have a daughter. Then the choice is: you can make her an Ammoniyah, motor or making a mitzvah. Also, for three generations, you make her a mitzvah. In a kevah, a shot was a mitzvah. So in that case, they had they have twins: a boy and a girl. One's a Mitzri, and one's an Ammoniyah. That's, that's the gemara. Okay. yeah, exactly. So the gemara continues like this. Um, okay, uh, three lines of this is real gemara and uh, regular, like back and forth. The rest is 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 a Okay, the halach is mamzerim u nesinim Asurin v'isur isur oilom echetzchorim echenekevus. A mamzer is now allowed to marry a regular Jew forever, both a mamzer and a mamzeres. And nesinim as well. Nesinim were again the uh, one of the nations of the seven nations that converted. They were called the Givonim. They converted during the times of Yahushua. And they tricked Yahushua. And they were Jews. Dobra Melech outlawed marrying into them. As we'll see in tomorrow's daf. We'll start today, and then tomorrow's daf will explain the story of why David outlawed the Givonim, which are again the Nasinim, They're the same people. Amrei <coughs> Shlakish. We'll start with a few lines of regular Gemara, and then we'll get to the Agadah. Amrei mutaris. A Mamzeres after ten generations is allowed. After ten generations, a Mamzeres is allowed. Not a Mamzer. A Mamzeres after ten generations is allowed. Why? it says regarding in amon and moab even a 10 generation amon man and moab man cannot enter and it says regarding a so it says by a says by amoni so just like by amoni the women are mutter, so too by a mamzer, the women are mutter after 10 generations. So the Gemara says, oh, malo mutaris afkan, miyad afkan, miyad. well, if you're going to learn out are from Amoni, then why wait 10 generations? Just make it mutter now. Right? Amonis are mutter right away, so say mamzer is also mutter right away. The answer is the shava only works after 10 generations, it doesn't work right away. Well, so we'll see in a moment why. you're telling me that the mamzerus is motor after ten generations. Our mission says it's also forever. Even mamzerus is also forever. So is the mamzerus also forever or after ten generations? So the gemara says. The answer is. It's two different opinions. They're arguing about whether a Mamzer is motor after ten generations. And it has to do with what it has to do is like this. You have a Shava, right? Let's say connecting Halacha A to Halacha B. right? Just like Halacha A is this, so to Halacha B is like this. The question is, when you connect Halacha A to Halacha B, how how much do you connect it? Do you connect it just for that Halacha, or do you say, no, they're connected for everything? Over here, there's a connecting Mamzer, to Amoni. The reason being is because by Amon it says, um, yeah, it, it, the Xerishava is like this. If you look at Rashi, my Xerishava Ica four lines from the wide lines. By a Mamzer, it never says that the Isser is forever, but it says that by Amon. So there's a Xerushava connecting Mamzer to Amon, that it's forever. The question is, when you have a Shava connecting A to B, how far do you go? Our Mishnah feels you just use it for the halacha you're interested in, which is that it's in perpetuity. That's it. The fact that amoni women are mutter will not go back to Amam Zeres because we're only interested in the halacha that we're interested in. It's domino mina. That's it. It's just the halacha you're interested in. Therefore, we learn, sort of, you like you use a for what you need and then you stop. So you use it for connecting a mamzer to a uh, uh, amoni that just like Ammonia is forever. So to mamzer forever, but then you stop. Oh no uh, no no! Because uh, no oh, oh meaning meaning then you should go start going down the whole mufni road. That's an interesting question. You can start doing that and then what about this and what about that? And you can, I hear what you're saying. It's an interesting point. I, I don't know. Um, the, the other opinion, the opinion of the Braisa who says that the is our mutter after 10 years because they learn that from Ammon, is because they look at that when there's a Gzereshava, you use it for everything. So therefore the Gzereshava is is not just that it's in perpetuity, it's also in perpetuity and that women are mutter. So the, the, the question is basically, when you have a how much halachas do you learn from it? Okay, now, one more quick sugya, and then we'll get to the Agadita. Shalus of they asked Rav Eliezer, what's the deal with the Mamzeres after ten generations? The question that we had in Machloikis between the Mishra and the Bryce, they said, what's the Halacha? He said, ask me after three generations. Meaning, Rav shita is that Hashem will never allow a Mamzer to live that many generations. Mm-hmm. Hashem will wipe them out. Because they're like a, a dangerous time bomb for Claudius. Yisrael. See, he's like, they're not even going to get three generations. He asked him about ten Halavai, he says, Halavai, we should get to three. Meaning, Hashem will not allow that lineage to continue. At some point, something's going to happen that will knock out that, that generation. So the Gemara says, A mamzar loichai. A will not live. A will not live. P- past three generations. The amre Amravhuna, Mamzar loichai. Rev also said this. I, by the way, it doesn't mean medically they can't live. It just means Hashem is going to make a car. Hashem is going to wipe out that lineage. I doesn't our Misha say that mamzerim are forever, which implies that they do live for multiple generations. So the answer is, <laughs> the answer is this is the rule. If everyone knows they're mamzerim, Hashem will let them live, right? Who can a mamzer marry? So let's say a Gyaris or a Mamzeris. Let's go with Mamzeris, Maybe a nesin, according to many opinions. If everyone knows that this family is mamzerim. Hashem will let them live because everyone will know, avoid them. There's no concern. If no one knows about Eloy Chai, they're definitely not living. Huh? Oh, exactly, exactly. The Gemara is actually going to bring a mice like this in a moment. If some people know about it and some people don't know about it, then the last three generations. So if everyone knows about them, they can last forever. No one knows about them, they're going to be out one or two. If people know and people don't know, three. So the Gemara says the following story which is Gavin said there was a mamzer in the neighborhood of Ravami the Mamzer. so Ravami took out an ad in the paper saying this family is mamzer so he was crying and he was he, he felt all depressed this mamzer that Ravami like outed him you know in public Ravami said I'm giving you life don't you realize I'm giving you life if no one knows your mamzer you're not going to live I'm giving you life meaning it's a good thing that I took out the ad okay okay now, the Gemara now addresses the Nasinim. Amr of Rav bar Ada. Nasinim David Gazar The The Isser of a Nasin. Again, Nasinim were part of the seven nations that converted. We're assuming, this Gemara's assumption, once you convert, you're a Jew. So they're a Jewish people. They're part of the Jewish people. Davin Amelech outlawed that no one's allowed to marry them other than they can marry with them themselves. Mamzerim, according to some opinions, probably Gyaruses. Why did David do this? David outlawed marrying into the Nasinim. Why? So this is the story. We're going to start now. Tomorrow's daf will get to the end of, of what happened, but we'll start the story now. The Gemara says like this. The Posuk says, the David of El- said to the Givinim, you're not part of the Jewish people who we can't we can't marry you. This is... Um, I'm sorry. Oh, so the posuk says, this is a Posuk in Shmuel that... Yeah, this is the pasuk where David Melch said, uh, yeah. "Yeah, yeah." So the pasuk says that already. One second, hold on. I just want to address something. One second, hold on. Um, yeah, this is um, this is a pasuk in Shmuel base. Okay, fine. That's the pasuk that says that, that they're out. So the Gemara says, "What's the background to the story?" My time of What's the reason why David Melach outlawed marrying into the Givoyim or the Nasinim? the same people? So, the Chizv. David Shalosh Shana. Shana Shana. So there was a there was a drought. There was a famine during the times of David Melach that lasted three years. This is what happened. Shana Rishoyinah Amar Lahem. So David Melach each year is trying to analyze what's wrong with Kli. So what, what happened? He's assuming that if there's a drought and famine, it's because the Jewish people are doing sins. So, first year, he said to the Jewish people, perhaps there's idolatry in your midst. This passage, we say in Shema, this passage connects um, idolatry to famine. So he said, perhaps there's idolatry. They looked into it. Idolatry was not a problem. Okay? Shnia, the second year, the second year, Perhaps there's a different sin. The Pasuk says that there's no rain because there's an isha zayna. So perhaps there's a gila arayis. Bad kubloi They looked into it. In the times of David, that wasn't a problem either. So you got no avay dezara, you got no gila Okay. Shlish is the third year. of That's interesting. Perhaps the next big Aveira was there are people that um, publicly said they're going to give tzedakah, right, in front of people, like the, at the, you know, at the pledges, and then they didn't give it, which was, a, it's considered a very big avera to, to do such a thing, because the tzedakah organizations are relying on you, and you get up in public, and at, a, at an appeal, and you say, I'll give a thousand dollars, and then, so everyone looks at you, so, and you know end up giving. So the Gemara says, Okay, because that's considered, a uh, lack of honesty, bodek nothing. So after three years of looking into this, David said, "Eina David it must be me." Meaning, it must be something that I could control, something related to the king. So, miyad vayivakish David es Hashem. Hashem, David Melach asked Hashem what happened. What does it mean? What do you mean to ask Hashem? He asked my mash, how do you know that he asked the river tomb? It says the asked Hashem. How do you know that it's the river tomb? i see a pone pone. Ksiv ha'chiv v'achiv shavus pone Hashem. Ksiv ha'os m'ishalu It says pone over here, and it says lifnei by the river So he asked the river So v'yomer Hashem el shol v'el beis hadomim ala sherhemis ha'gevoinim. Hashem said he responded through the river The cause of this drought is because of shol one, and because. Shoal killed the Gevonim. Okay, so t- two things, there's two complaints. It's actually, it's a little bit of an interesting thing. There's a Ta'ina, oh, so what does it mean, Al-Shoal? What does it mean, Hashem's, fir- my first complaint is about Shoal. I'm upset that Claudius Yisrael did not respect Shoal properly, that he was not eulogized properly. Number two, I'm upset that Shoal killed out the Gevonim. Now, I'll say it out, so we'll said that he actually never killed the Gevonim, but he killed Nov Irakohanim, he famously killed the city of Kohanim because he thought that they were taking, that they were supporting David. Nov Ira Kohanim, it's like with uh, it's like with finances, it's a trickle effect. Nov Ira Kohanim used to take care financially, they would give work to the Givonim. They died, the Givonim starved. So it's interesting, there's a Taina on Shoal, there's a Taina on Klaus on not respecting Shoal enough, but there's also a Taina on Shoal killing out a city of Gehonim. which he, it's interesting, you know, I guess it, it shows you that. As we're going to see in a moment, Hashem said that you you should not have just cast away the king. Shaul did a lot of good things. And it's more than that. Because he had things against him in Shemaim. he needed those hespedim. Like, he needed the hesped properly because... Uh, so the Gemara says, First of all, when did it? When did, it, when did kill the gavonim? He never killed the gavonim. The answer is, It's because he killed noivir and they supported the gavonim, which made the gavonim um, uh, uh, pass away. So the Gemara says, Gemara asks the obvious question, which is, You're telling me that Kla there's a ta'ina on Kla so for not properly being Maspid Shol and for Shol killing a Sidi Kohanim? Well, maybe if you kill out a Sidi Kohanim, you don't deserve to be Maspid Kahalachas. So the Gemara says, No. In, That Dafka and Shemaim, when they're bringing up your actions, that's when you need meaning, meaning. <laughs> Listen, you're not masp a big tzaddik. Okay, fine. He doesn't really need you. Shol needed those hespedim because when they were bringing up the things that he did wrong, i.e., no v'irakoh there wasn't anything to, to to protect him from that. So he Dafkin needed the hesped properly. Um, okay, so I, we'll stop here, and tomorrow we'll address how David responded to this and how this led to him outlawing the givonim. All right, have a good day, guys.